Hi! What is up, friends? You know the drill. This is your host, Ryan, and it's time for another episode of When Shit Goes Well, welcome back. How you been? It's been some time since I last recorded. Life's been looking a lot different for me lately. I'm currently working on this podcast in the spare room at my parents' house, which I have cunningly turned into my office over the past couple weeks. I've turned down the blinds. The lights were off, but they had to turn on because, of course, my ring light burnt out. I'm sipping a coffee. It's about 9.30 in the morning, and I'm hiding away from Western traditions because, yes, my friends, today is Thanksgiving. And I'm sure you can tell by the title of this episode what I'm going to be sharing. And so I'll help you put two and two together to understand that I'm not feeling very thankful today. So I want to talk about it. There is a huge elephant that's been in my life the past couple months, and it's time that I open up and share about this elephant in my life, which is the loss of my dad. It has completely altered my view on life and completely changed the trajectory of my life, at least for the time being. I mean, my whole world got flipped upside down this summer, and there's really just Not that many people I know in my life or in general who have ever lost a parent or someone close to them. And I realize that's extremely lucky and we're privileged to not know anyone who's died. Of course, there's grandparents and dogs and distant friends of friends that I know, but like there's nothing ever come close to what I experienced this summer, to what I saw, to what I lived, what I felt, what I have now become because of this Well, this horrible tragedy and experience that me and my family undertook, and it was very sudden, very quick, but I think that there is a lot of knowledge and wisdom that I gained this summer from having had to go through this at such a young age. And, you know, I really started this podcast with one main goal, and that was to normalize that shit goes wrong every day in all of our lives, big or small. And I really want to highlight the lessons and the growth that can come from it. Like, it's as simple as that. I went through a traumatic experience and I lost my dad. And I learned a fuck ton from that. I journaled the whole time it was happening. I kept notes. I wrote down quotes. Anytime anything insightful came to my brain, I wrote it down. I started writing this book. It's all about conversations that you have that you never realize you have to have once death knocks at your door. And it's, been like the most crazy, lonely, weird, confusing summer. It just, it's felt like we've been at war. And I feel like my house here in Ottawa has been this little world that I've been hiding in because no one outside of these walls knows what happened and knows what we experienced. And it's kind of just like this safety net that I've been living in. And not really sharing, but how could you ever go back to life and and be this person, this friend, having been to war? Like that's that's the best analogy or metaphor or whatever the fuck. It's like, imagine you were to go to war and you saw your friends lose limbs. You saw people die. You saw like you had to be in survival mode for weeks, months. And then one day the war's over and you go back home and no one at home ever had to live the war. So they never even talk about the war and they're just expecting you to get a job and go back to your life the way you once knew it. 
it doesn't really work like that. That's why you see all these veterans that are homeless, that are drug addicts. Like I understand that having now been to war. And again, take this whole analogy the way you will. I know I have not been to war. Okay. I have no idea what it's like to go to war, but every day, this is how I equated it. Like there was no sleeping at night. There was no doing anything other than being at war. Like your job is to fight getting ahead of myself. But basically, if anything good could come from what we experienced this summer, it would simply be to just share it, how I'm going to take this information and apply it to my life, because it literally changed my life. I will never wake up another day in my life thinking the same way that I did, because I have different priorities now. I have different reasons to be. I know what the purpose of life is. Having sat with death for weeks on end with someone who is going to die, it really strips away everything that's not important. And you really get down to the basics. The whole time I kept thinking like, wow, this is so crazy. This is so wrong. This is so horrific what's happening. But like every lesson I think I needed to learn in the next 60 years has just been presented on a platter in front of me with like a skull and it's basically like this is what life is do with it what you will now that you know you know what life is like i just i viewed life in such a different way growing up i would sit in my room alone every night and wonder what it would be like if my dad died i don't know why it was just always a fear me and my dad were very close and i'm really blessed and grateful to have had such a good relationship with him but i always knew that he was 10 years older than my mom and you know a different generation where like people weren't as in tuned with what's healthy what's not how do i take good care of myself like there's just so many fears i had from a young age of like what would we do if he wasn't around anymore and i think that fear just constantly stayed with me. And so when it did happen, it was like every one of my worst nightmares as a child coming to life in our family childhood home. Some people, it'll happen when they're 50, 40, 30, 60. Like you may die before your parents die. Like it's just such a weird thing to think about. And of course, there's no reason why you would ever want to think about this. Like why would you want to get really comfortable with the conversation of death when that's like the exact opposite of what we're trying to achieve. None of us want to die, but it is where we're headed. And it's such a conversation that can open up a lot about where we're supposed to be in the meantime and what we're supposed to be doing. If you can digest and sit with the fact that like, there's no bigger purpose. Like you're, you're, you're here to do something before you die. And it's like, everyone's getting so lost and like the, what am I supposed to be doing? And I just learned firsthand that 95% of the shit that social media, society, this education system is teaching you is all bullshit. Like none of it matters. And when you lose someone super, super close to you, all of that becomes very clear. And it's hard to not want to talk about it and share it. Like, like I said, it's the elephant in my life when I'm at work, when I'm taking my course, when I'm hanging out with friends, when I'm at the gas station, when I'm at a restaurant, when I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner, when I'm just sitting and saying hi at my job to someone coming into the clinic. Like, I am constantly thinking about the fact that I lost my dad. 
I can't stop thinking about it. It's the only thing I think about. And I think there's a really big misconception of, well, let's not talk about it. Let's not bring it up. Let's pretend like fathers don't exist. Well, that's not true. Like I do have a dad. I've always had a dad. I will always have a dad, but he just isn't here anymore. And it's really the only thing I can think about. And so it's just completely shaped every part of my life the past couple of months. Like I really have found it really hard to merge back into society after going through a really big tragedy. And we've all gone through tragedies, whether it's your house burning down or your dog dying or your friend getting into a motorcycle accident or you broke both your legs or you didn't get into your college. And now you're, you think like we've all experienced things that are horrible and sad and heartbreaking, but there's nothing quite like death. Death is like the all or nothing. If you were super mad at someone and you knew that the next day they were going to die, you'd go over to their house and you'd forgive them and you'd say, I'm sorry. And you'd say, I'd love you. Death strips away everything. And the first episode in this three-part series that I'm going to be doing about grief is going to be just explaining what it's like to lose a parent. Not all of us know what that feels like, nor do you want to. But I think it's important to get comfortable with that fact so that you can live every day knowing that. Like if you know that your mom's going to die, stop being an asshole to her, man. Like she could die next week and you'd fucking hate yourself. If you were to lose your dad and you're not that close with him, well, you know what? Go fucking tell him why you're pissed or go ask him, dad, how do you change the tires every year? Like, if he's not there anymore, you will literally never, ever be able to ask any questions or me explaining why it's what it's like to lose a parent. It's just fucking real. Like there's, it's, there's no like, oh, like I don't want to be sitting here like telling you why. Oh, this is how I lost my dad. Like, no, like I did not know anyone who had lost someone close. I had one friend and it happened when they were much younger and I never really took the time to understand how it affected them because it was never something I could relate to. And I never wanted to. It was like my worst nightmare. And then it happens. And you're like, well, fuck. I wish I cared more about that person because now I am that person. And it's just like with anything, like if you can't relate to something, it's just something you don't even want to put on your radar. But there's so many people in your life who have lost someone. And like, if you can't, be there for them or digest what they're going through, then what good of a friend are you? So I really want to share in this first episode what it's like to lose a parent. In the second episode, it's going to be what death has taught me, having sat right alongside it. And the third is going to be what to say when there's nothing to say, because I think it's really valuable to know how to be a good support for people when you don't know how to support them because you've never been through it. Please just Listen to this with no judgment because I'm I'm really trying to be forthcoming. Like I just want to help someone else because I went through this summer so alone. I do not have a lot of friends that live near my parents' house in Ottawa. The whole time I just kept thinking like, I hope no one else has to go through this alone. Like this is so difficult and isolating. And I just want to take this experience and put it to use. The phrase live every day like it's your last confused me for the first 24 years of my life. I constantly thought of this quote on mundane 
days and days that didn't really feel very exciting and I wasn't living in my essence, I interpreted live every day like it's your last as if I should be going to Disney or skydiving or booking my next big trip and getting my whole sleeve tattoo done and trying everything I've ever wanted to experience because I'm living like it's my last day on earth. But not every Monday could feel as exciting as your last day on earth would feel, right? I mean, that's what confused me. I don't have enough money or enough resources to make every day so extraordinary. What I know now that I didn't know then is the true meaning of that phrase and the deeper understanding. And it's not as over the top and as exaggerated as I thought it would be. Like you should be doing all these crazy things with your last day on earth. Like you should be like out there, like interviewing people on the street and you should be starting a business and you should be buying a house and all these crazy things because it's your last day. Like make your mark. But it's really not about that. The true message that I've learned is actually quite powerful and frankly, very, very true. It means to live intentionally in every single moment as if it were your last day on earth and to treat other people respectfully like you would if it was your last interaction. And to be honest with how you feel in every instance and communicate like you only had one day to tell everyone everything you've ever wanted to tell them and everything you've ever kept to yourself because there's no other time to do so. To live every day like it's your last is to love like you had no other choice because there's nothing else in the world left but love. And to be so present in every moment because any breath could be your last. It's it's really quite small and molecular, the quote. Like it's it's all about now. How can I be a good human? How can I make others feel good? How can I be a better person? How can I live intentionally? Like losing someone really close makes you realize that, wow, all those crazy things they ever did in their life, like that's not why people flew far and wide to come say goodbye to them or to talk about them. Like, that's not the purpose. That's not the reason that we're here. Because, like, put it this way if it was your last day on earth, who else cares that you went skydiving? That's not what people are going to remember on your last day. If it was your last day and you literally, like, went to a food bank and bought everyone food and served it and made people feel good and was honest and true. That's what people will remember. No one cares that on your last day on earth, you went and bought a Birkin bag. Like the way I viewed everything after losing someone so close, it makes you put everything into perspective. Why am I worrying about this thing that's in a week when like that person doesn't get another week. And it, it makes you slow down and reevaluate who's in your life, who gets it, who cares in a deeper way, who's willing to be uncomfortable with you. I had friends show up this summer to my house and drove from Montreal. They had no idea what I was going through. They had no idea how to relate. I was so so far gone. Like I needed friends and like I couldn't Sorry, that's really sad. I just think it was really a helpless, a cry for help. I was so 
so, so lost this summer. And it's really hard to ask people who don't understand to be there for you. It's such a raw, vulnerable place. And the people who showed up this summer are literally like angels. Like they'll never know how important it was that they were there despite not knowing, like despite me not telling them everything. And they could just look at me and go like, you're not okay. You need someone. When people did show up, it it really meant the world, but it also started to divide me from a lot of people because I knew that they didn't understand or they weren't going to reach out or they didn't address it. And again, it's this elephant in the room. The last you heard from me was on Instagram. I was planning on going to Europe and recording episodes and it was going to be insane and wild. And I was back on my backpacking bullshit. And, you know, I was really planning on posting more routinely. And I did record episodes in Europe and it was this exciting time. But there was also this split other life I was living that I wasn't sharing with anyone. And it was the fact that I was working in Montreal, downtown Montreal, and I would go home to be with my family because my dad was very sick. He had undergone Whipple surgery in November of 2021, and he had cancer in his, God, I should have gotten the exact words, pancreatic cancer. But there was this rare, rare spot. And so you have to have a Whipple surgery in order to remove it. Very invasive, very traumatic. Me and my mom joined many Facebook groups, support groups. It completely altered the way my dad was going to live, but they don't tell you that. And so that was November 2021. Winter of 2022 was hell. We were completely trying to take care of my dad and it was up and it was down and the cancer and radiation and whatever. And then things got better and I went traveling and it was always this secret world of like, when I go home, things are hard. Things have always been hard since I was a kid, but things are really hard right now. And death and cancer is very close, but we were trying to be really optimistic. But man, it was fucking hard. And then I moved to Montreal and I started working at this job in downtown Montreal, you know, office job. And I was just breaking down. I mean, I was struggling so hard going back and forth between Ottawa, where I was taking care of my dad and my mom. And we we're constantly going to hospitals and there's social workers and caregivers and psychologists and na na na. And like every phone call at my lunch break was like, how is he doing? Is he okay? Do you want me to drive home? Like, but I don't want to tell anyone in Montreal because again, I'm trying to live this other life to not affect who, being a 24-year-old. Like I, I was so aware that what was happening was like tumultuous and very unique to our experience because it was such a rare form of cancer and it was such a rare form of treatment and the way that it would affect him was just devastating, but it was slow. It was slow until it was extremely fast. It was like someone put on put us on autopilot and then suddenly they like we were in a Tesla or whatever and we were like whoop zero to like 200 like one second it was like whoa and so I was working this job and I took off time to go to Europe for a month and I knew my dad was really sick and when I left to go on that trip me and my dad said goodbye but he looked at me and he said I'll I'll see you in a while crocodile and I knew that means that we would see each other again 
But still, I left on this trip knowing that it could, it would and could be the last time I would ever see my dad. And I basically had to take that risk of like, am I willing to say goodbye now? Like, it just, we had been in this for so long, it felt like that it just didn't feel like it felt like we'd processed it a thousand times over. So we said our goodbye at the hospital. It was Father's Day and, you know, it was sad and emotional, but I just kept thinking like, I'm going to see him again. Like, we're going to talk every day. It's going to be fine. But when you have terminal cancer, like no one gives you an end date. No one talks about your options. No one talks about what it's going to do to your family or anything. Like they let you kind of just figure it out on your own. Like if I were to see the roadmap now of what was going to happen, oh my God, I would have, I would have made so many decisions differently. I wouldn't have moved to Montreal. I wouldn't have gone to Europe. I wouldn't have done any of these things, but again, I would have stopped my life. And that's not what my dad would have wanted. I would have literally let the cancer rule and dictate everything. And so we chose the approach of positivity and pretending kind of like life was just normal. And so I would go to Montreal for weeks at a time. I would go on my Europe trip. I would go and I would live like a young person. And sometimes it was doable and I would disassociate. And sometimes it was really fucking hard and nobody knew what I was going through. And like, I'd be at work for drinks after work in Montreal and I'd be thinking like, well, I can't drink too many because like, I'm not going to tell everyone, but like, I have to drive home after this, like to Ottawa and it's now 9 p.m. And like, I knew that I'd get home late and I'd wake up early and I'd drive back. And like, it was just, I was leading this dual life and really kudos to my roommates and especially to my one roommate because they were just always there. Like, They'd get home from work at eight o'clock at night and I would be panic attack sobbing on the couch. And I'd be like, I think, I think it's happening. And it never was, but like, there'd be so many false scares that I was going to lose my dad that day that like our whole, even mine, but my roommates, like our lives became this diagnosis and this cancer. Like it was just all we talked about. I was constantly stressed. I was just another human. I was like, I felt like a 40 year old middle-aged woman who like is just going through it. And like, I'm just so grateful for my friends, those who I did open up to friends who did come to my house and help my dad, like the nurses, the social workers, the psychologists. So I went on my Europe trip. And when I got back, I knew that something was up. Teresa, my mom's best friend, basically my aunt showed up at the airport with a huge poster that said, welcome home, flowers, music, drinks, energy drinks, protein drinks, joints, spliffs, like vapor, like whatever you need. And I was like, hmm, that's so weird that I came home early now. And my friend Megan was supposed to pick me up. And my parent, my mom was like, no, 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 no Teresa's going to come pick you up. So obviously I knew something was going on, but I just lived almost like a month in Europe. And I was told by my family, like, do not think about the cancer. Like, go live your life. This is happening regardless. Like, it's not going to matter if you're here miserable with us. Like, go live your life. And so that's what I did. And for so for almost a month, I literally, like, shut this off. And I would talk to my parents all the time, but I wouldn't let myself get into that feeling of what it feels like to be living here and experiencing this because it's a spiral effect, like I know my limits and what I can take. So coming back after a month of pushing these to the side was like the biggest shock. Mind you, I decided that the last three days in Europe were going to be all-nighters. 
I arrived in Ottawa having not slept for like, honestly, like 50, 60, 70 hours of like literally no sleep. Like I was on one and I just, I don't know, I guess I just, I didn't expect to come home and, 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 and be like told what I was told. And so I got back completely sleep deprived, like just wired from not sleeping, just brain in a billion places. Like I just, the time change, like I haven't, I'm just so lost. Like what is going on? And basically Teresa's like, honey, I'm going to be honest with you. No one's been honest with you. We haven't been honest. Like, just cause you don't want to be honest when it comes to terminal. That word is scary. And so we all avoid it, but they're like, I'm going to be frank. Like, we don't know how much time, like your dad's not doing mom. And it's hard to just be frank with it. Like, this is the truth. Like, you're going to cut home today. We're going to, I'm going to get to your house after the airport and you're going to see some things that are going to be really hard. So I smoked a little puff, had a drink, kind of got into the thing, cried a little bit and we're just trying to make light of it. But I got home and basically they told me like, he has days, maybe weeks. We're selling everything. What do you want to do with this item? What do you think we should do with this? Do you want to sell this? How do you feel about this? And I just was so like, wow, like you're going to die in our house like in a couple days. And like, you want to like sell the boat and the truck and the cottage and the everything. And like, I just got back from Europe and everyone kind of looked at me like, well, you had your fun. And it's like, yeah, but like, I didn't, I wouldn't have chosen that, you know, like just felt like years of me trying to live like a 20 something knowing that this was happening the whole time, but just like never really being told the truth. And then finally my whole family was there, mind you that day, like sitting in the backyard and like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a stage four, like cancer patient, but it's, um, at least in my case with my dad, it was very, very difficult. And so yeah, we tried just to make light of it, but for three weeks, exactly 21 days on a Wednesday, I got back. It was July 7th and my dad passed on July 26th at 9.45 p.m. It was war. We lived in full battle, no sleeping, no eating, no nothing. Like instead of going to hospice and palliative care, like you're choosing not to, to have any resuscitation or like anything that would help you live longer. Like that's over. Like if you want to smoke four cigarettes, four packs of cigarettes a day, you can. If you want to eat a pound of jello, you can. If you want to do gummies, you can do them. If you want to do mushrooms, you can. If you want to eat an entire 30 cheeseburgers in an hour. You can do it. So I entered to this state in my in my house. We kind of turned our house into this hospital. Instead of going to the hospital to die, you choose to do it at home, which means that there are nurses, social workers, PSW, psychologists, like caregivers, like 10, 20, 30 of them a day in your house because your house now becomes the hospital. And man, like the, 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 the transitions we saw, like just every day got slowly worse and slower and sadder and more difficult. And every day was a new realization and wow. And 
the three weeks were just talking about everything that we'd ever wanted to talk about ever. Any question that we had, any thought, it was like, it didn't matter anymore. You're saying it. Like everything that was ever a barrier is gone. You feel this way, you say it. Someone you miss, you you call them and you tell them. If you haven't seen my dad in years, they just showed up at her house. Like I wrote in my journal every day, all day, just trying to process what was happening. And I almost like didn't want to forget how fucked up it was. Like this is just reaching the tip of the iceberg, but it was truly the most unbelievable. Like there's nothing off the table to talk about in those three weeks. Like the phrase like live every day like it's your last because genuinely when you have terminal cancer, there's no like probably one more week or maybe another day or two. Like there's no rhyme or reason because it's so different with everyone. So there was no sleeping at night because it could be now. There was no going to hang out with friends because it could be now. There was no, oh, I'm just going to go for a drive around the boat. You can't. You didn't want to. And even any second I took away from the house in those three weeks, I regret. Like, I think about it all the time, all the things I wanted to say. And like, I would just constantly rack my brain of things I could ask. And like, I wish I paid attention more. I wish I asked a question about that. I wish, I wish, I wish. And I just don't want people to wish that they lived in a different way, knowing what the end looks like. The end is horrible. The end is not eating, not talking, not breathing, not moving, not anything. Like you, 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 you start to get angry and dementia and like, and it happens like this. You could be healthy. You could be happy. And just like this, it's gone. And I think one of the big takeaways that we constantly said was like how grateful we are that we got these three weeks to say I love you, to have people from all over. Every day there was just countless people in my living room, in my backyard, upstairs, downstairs. Like there was constantly people visiting. And at the time I was so angry about it. I was so angry. I was like, what the fuck? Get out of my house. Like, you don't live here. Like, I'm going through hell. Like, I'm losing my dad. We're selling everything. Like, I don't have siblings. Like, I just felt so hopelessly alone. And I just, I just, I honestly just like wish I had a partner. I wish I had someone who wanted to understand what I was going through as much as I wanted someone to understand. And it was just such like a, what the fuck is the point of this? What the fuck? I'm running the rat race in Montreal at this stupid job downtown. Like, I just wasted months of my life when I could have been with them. Every aspect of your life, you start to view in that way. What am I spending my time doing? Like, it's so obvious what you should be spending your time doing. And it's literally with the people that you love. Because when you die, like, it doesn't matter that you sold your business for $100 million. And it doesn't matter that you went to every continent in the world and like that's not the important thing and that is not how we should shape our lives we should be shaping our lives around filling it with really great people and being a really good person because like literally if you were to get terminal cancer who the fuck would show up at your house you feel really fucking lonely if no one cared to come see you it matters how you treat people. And like when you lose someone, you start to see that people talk about them based on how 
they made them feel, how they were treated. And I didn't go through this just to like internalize it and move forward and pretend like I didn't lose my dad. I saw my dad go from like a 150 pound man to a 70 pound man. I carried him. I held him. I fed him. I cleaned him. And you could too. And like, we always joked about it. He was like, well, we were going to have to clean my diapers one day. And I'd always be like, no, literally never. Like I'm not. And it's like, well, push come to shove, you just might. And you might just have to do things that you never thought were possible. And I just think I was living very naively. And like, and if you're leading a life just based on like what it looks like from the outside, like you're going to be so unhappy when death comes. Like it's just, there's so much more fulfilling ways to spend your time. And I seriously just think we should be questioning everything. If a doctor gives you diagnosis, question it. If they're telling you that you're sick, no, 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 question it. Like if society's telling you to go to school, question it. It is literally only your life. No one is dictating it for you. No one is telling you to do anything. And if you feel a certain way, just fucking do it. Live every day like it's your last, like it was your last chance to do what you wanted. So if you want to tell someone how you feel, freaking tell them. If you want to quit your job because you're not happy, fucking do it. You don't need another plan. Like, life is about doing what you want and living like so authentic to you. My dad lived so authentic to him. Like, even on his deathbed, if if a doctor were to be like, eat this apple, it'll give you another week. My dad would be like, fuck that. I hate apples. Give me the jello with extra whipped cream. Like, you couldn't tell him to do something that he didn't want to do. That is so powerful. How many people just live exactly the way that they want to live and they're not like trying to please anybody else? And I'm still trying to figure that out. Like it's it's really hard to have gone through something like this and not let it change you. Like I can't just like go back to living my life now. Like I need to internalize this. I need to process this. But I think people just see death as a very like timestamp. Like someone died. Oh, that's going to suck for a couple months and then you'll be over it. Like, no. Me and my mom were just asking each other, like, do you feel like it's any different now having been two months? And I'm like, the best way I could describe it is I think that there's more time that goes by, which I choose not to think about it because I'm trying to live in the moment. But when I do choose to think about it, it's just the same. It's that same amount of hurt and like disbelief are you fucking kidding me? Like, I just, I can't believe that my dad's not here anymore. Like, I'll set the table for three. I'll go to the garage and I'll look in the laneway and be like, where's his truck? Or like, I'll go to like, send him a picture of my food. Like all these things that you do with anyone in your life. Like, you just don't think about how much you'll think about it if it's gone. I don't think the point is to have amazing relationships with everyone in your life. It's making it meaningful. Like, I'm really grateful that I had a dad that I got to talk to. I could text, that we could laugh with, that could show me things. Like, it didn't need to be that he was the best dad in the whole world and that he, like, told me he loved me every day. Like, that wasn't the point of it. It was the fact that I got to have a dad. Not everyone has a dad. And I know that. 
but this is going to happen to all of us. And it was just such a shock. It was such a shock. It was like, like just every day I was like, wow. Wow. Like we would have psychologists and social workers just like at our house all the time. And we'd be talking to me and I'm just like, I literally feel like I'm 40. Like no one in my life, I could ever open up to them about this and they would be able to know like this is such a unique thing and like I never thought it would be be me I never thought it would be me and then it's you and then what and so basically I just I just wrote typed things on my computer I journaled I just tried to put how I felt into words so that I could communicate it to the people who didn't understand because I will never be the same like I literally will never not think that I lost my dad. I watched him die. But like when you are in palliative care with someone, you are helping them die. You are literally making them so comfortable so that when that moment comes and you know when, when like you, you have to help them through it. But like literally your parent is what gave you life and now you're helping them take theirs. It's just, it's such a mind fuck and like the things you have to do and like this new role you take on is like a caregiver. Like I'm not really your daughter anymore. Like I'm supporting my mom who's supporting you. It's like, I'm just a support. Like it doesn't matter how I feel because this is more important. And like push comes to shove. There will be times in my life again, in your life, in my friend's life where it's like bad things will take over your life and you'll have to put everything on pause and that's okay. I felt so much guilt throughout this, like quitting my job or being honest with my employer. Like I am really struggling. I'm going to the bathroom every day and I'm having a panic attack and I'm like questioning why I'm alive right now. And like not a lot of people get to understand what it's like so that you can become familiar with it. This isn't to scare you. It's to advise you to think again what you think's important but everyone will feel that it's something that i wish i understood before so i could have been a better friend to others or like a better niece a better daughter whatever like everyone's lost someone and if you can't relate you can't relate so you shy away from it there's just so much that changes you once you go through something like this like you just feel quieter you feel more reserved you feel less willing to share because the main thing you want to share is really sad it really just shows you what love is like love is being there love is sitting with someone day in day out for weeks on end making sure that their oxygen tank doesn't get caught around the pole on the stairs because you're afraid that you know that they won't be able to breathe like love is checking and making sure that they have water love it's not going away that weekend because you know that person wants you to be around. Like love is reaching out and checking in and calling even when the other person isn't picking up. Love is knowing what that other person needs and doing it despite if it helps you or not. And like losing someone so close to you teaches you a tremendous amount about how to be a good person, how to be a good friend, how to be a good human, how to live with integrity and die with dignity my dad chose to die at home not at the hospital not on all these fucking pain meds or all these drugs and people he doesn't know like he decided to die in the most respectful way that he ever could 
And I'm so grateful that he got to do that. And I got to be a part of it. And I got to honor that. So fucking live with dignity. Don't just die with dignity. Like live how you want. Respect yourself. Respect what you're here to do. Go out like you fucking mean it. With anything in life. Like leave that night out or leave that university. Leave that class with dignity. Because you did it the way that you wanted. I'm in this like part now where I've learned all these lessons, I've written it all down, I've conceptualized it, and now I have to put it to work. It's not going to be easy to set boundaries with people or tell people like, this is what I went through, this is what I need now, this is how I'm going to show up, this is how I need you to show up, and like, it's, it's difficult to stay away from this, this way I've always been living, of just living in the fast lane, and you can't rush. Like, everything will happen when it's meant to, and you can't try and like, create this narrative like my dad didn't think he was gonna die at 66 years old like no fucking way in hell there was still so much he wanted to do there's still so many places he wanted to see and things he wanted to do but that wasn't up to him and so it's like it's not up to us to dictate well I'm probably gonna live till I'm 80 and so like when I'm 30 I want to like have this business and then by 40 I'm gonna own like these four homes and you could die at 35 and like the whole plan but it's like up until you're 35, you were living on autopilot. Like, live in the now. Losing a parent, you're forced to have unimaginable conversations of like all your regrets or things you didn't like or things you've wanted to say or like, I'm really going to miss you or like, I'm just everything, like everything. If you've never had to sit with that, then like you would just, you'd never know. And there's, there's so many lessons I've learned and there's so many things I now know to say or what not to say to someone living it firsthand and, and seeing everyone in my life be deeply affected by this loss. Like there's things you say, there's things you don't say, but at the end of the day, like death isn't really the scary part. Like the fact that my dad died isn't the scary part. It's that I was living my whole life ignoring that that was a possibility. I ignored the fact that one day they're not going to be there. I were to have recognized that their time with me isn't forever. It might change how I treat them in the moment, how I talk to them, how I show up to them. Like Your friend who's 24 years old could literally die next year in an accident. And it's like, it's not just our parents. It's everyone. Everyone. Like, be real with everyone. Because everyone can remember you and they'll remember how you treat them. It's just so important. And like death isn't really the scary part. It's death was what we believed to be the scary part. But the scary part is like really actually like dying and having lived a life that you're not proud of. And I don't mean in the superficial ways. I mean in the ways that you acted as a human. And so I really want to dive into this a bit more in the two other episodes, what death has taught me and then what to say when there's really nothing to say. I think to recap, it was a really fucking horrific summer. There was a lot of good days, a lot of bad days, and it was the in-between moments for me that were really defining. It was the moments when everyone went home. I wasn't talking to a friend. I wasn't busy with appointments or taking care of my dad or he would be sleeping and my mom would be taking a nap and it was like those very rare 
but like echoingly loud in between moments were like excruciating. And it was really, really hard, but it gave me time to reflect. Like that's when I would go and I would go and I would journal and I would like sit with myself and like, but I think that's like with anything in life, like there's going to be in between moments between all the big things. Like there's all these in between moments, but there's so much more like exemplified and magnified when you're going through something big because the in between moments feel so insignificant. But like those are really the times that we should reflect of like, where am I going? How am I feeling? Like what, what is going on here? It would be really interesting when I would go from Montreal with my friends, with 24, 25 year olds, and we would be hanging out and we were talking about just what guy likes them and what person they're into and what new TV show. And holy fuck, I've never not related more in my life. I felt like the biggest outsider this summer. I didn't fit in with anyone. I felt so ostracized. I felt so annoyed with all my friends. And 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 I love them. And this is just me being honest. I was so annoyed because like they didn't see that like I don't want to talk about your boyfriend. I don't want to talk about the new show you started. I don't want to talk about why our one friend is annoying you. And so it was just hard to like, you know, not be frustrated with conversations which honestly normal 24 year olds have like it's normal to want to be talking about your new crush and your your new job and like this like funny thing that happened at the rave the other weekend but it's like I was just so not able to relate and it was really frustrating when people wouldn't ask me or or didn't care I guess to know what I was going through and so I would try and fake it as best as I could all summer in Montreal and then I'd come home and I'd come home to like my dad sitting on the hospital bed with his sister bawling his eyes about about every regret and they're crying and then he needs his oxygen tank and then, you know, the medic gets there and then I'm sitting there and my mom's like, so have fun. Well, back to reality now. And it was just like this like tug of war of like, I'm trying to be a kid. I'm trying to be normal, but I'm also like fucking living in hell, like no fucking outlet. And I got really fucking angry and like just lonely. And and then when my dad passed, it was like just complete disbelief. And then once it's over, it's over. Like all the nurses go away, all the psychologists, no one calls anymore. No one texts, no one shows up. But that's all I wanted when it was happening. I just wanted everyone to fuck off. And then they fucked off. And I was like, where are you? Like, I wish I cared more when you were there. Like... It's just so sad because you always want one thing and then you get it and you want another. And it's like with everything in life, life is fucking funny. Life is hard and life is just really fucking real. Life is right in front of you. You are real. You can do whatever you want. I really just want to strip things down to the basics for you so you can reassess. How are you doing? What's important to you? Where have you been spending your time? Are you happy with how you're being? Just be fucking honest. I think grief just makes you get really, really real. Maybe you can't relate to losing someone, but I know you felt this same genuine sadness and heartache. Understand that you'll feel this one day. Live accordingly to that. Live accordingly to that. Live so that 
you can be proud of that dash in between, you know? It doesn't matter if you went skydiving. It matters that you are a good fucking person. What do I do from now? What do I do here on out? How do I take this and grow and be a better person and help others from this? It's like, it's just to share. I just want to share. I just want someone else to not feel alone like I felt alone. So stay tuned for episode two. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for letting me open up and be honest and, you know, kind of touch at what's been happening. I'm just going to leave you with that. And so, as my dad would always say, I'll see you in a while, crocodile. Peace out. Just before I go, I love you. Thank you.